Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. A lot of brands, also in fintech, turn off comments on ads on TikTok. I kind of like it because it's easy to then differentiate and kill it when you don't do that. But I don't understand as a marketer, as how would you, you know, be okay turning off comments, not even listening to what people say on, on your on your ads to be able to react. Because, you know, like, as you know, the engagement, what people would say to your content is gold, right? Like be able to read that and learn from it, whether it's positive, negative, it's, it's always great. Uh, from a, a learning point of view. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Millennials. I'm here with Johan, one of the best paid persons out there. He worked for some of the biggest brands out there. If you, if you, you might have heard them. If you're in the UK, Deliveroo, Depop, some of the coolest brands out there. He's working for Nude right now. I think you could explain your little journey about how you got into marketing, how you got into landscape, but. I'm excited to have you on the show. Uh, thank you for having me, Daniel. I'm, I've been uh, watching you for a while as well. I'm a big fan. Love your memes. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's good to be here. Yeah, let's get into your journey. How did you get into marketing? So I got into marketing about 10 years ago. I did a career shift. I studied engineering. I did that for a few years. And then my mid-20s, uh, stumbled upon a, a Facebook post uh, from this agency. It was one of the first Facebook marketing partners that had a platform on top of Facebook to run ads about 10 years ago and got the chance to you know restart my career there. I got the bug early on, like early Facebook ads and how that could be transformative to you know a business and got to touch on like different industries, working with like gaming clients and Ecom, some like uh, car manufacturers and, you know, all these kind of industries. Like gaming was already ahead, but everyone else was kind of figuring out, like, can we leverage this new thing uh, using social media and, and ads within, you know, within the feed and, and kind of, you know, grew from there. Uh, I got lucky twice. Like you said, I, I, I got in touch with a company that was uh, growing really fast called Deliveroo was now, you know, huge and kind of like a stable in, in the UK. And then a little bit later on, another app, but for, you know, second-hand marketplace called Depop. who's was uh, try, still trying to like uh, grow uh, grow bigger in the in the US and got, got bought by Etsy in 2021. So yeah, I've, um, I've, I've had a little journey in the UK uh, app, startup scene, did a bit of B2B as well. And, you know, like, I think in general, I'm just uh, very passionate about marketing at large. So like I dig into uh, channels and new things, new things to do pretty regularly. And today I'm um, CMO at Nude. Like you said, it's uh, within fintech, uh, which is uh, one of the best industry to be in in the UK and probably in the US as well. Very uh, still, uh, still a lot of promising things to do in that field. And uh, yeah, I've been there for about two years. 
So you've you've done paid advert. You started a paid advertising with deliver. You ran paid advertising for Deliveroo, and then that's how you kind of like grew your career through paid advertising. What are you? How do you think about the paid advertising landscape today? What's changing? How should companies think about it? Um, let's go down that path. I think it's fascinating the, the kind of uh, shift we've seen recently in in the, the the paid landscape because back when I started, the problem was that most brands were taking the assets from TV and try and like edit it slightly and put it on Facebook and then you know Instagram to try and make it work and that kind of went away but we still kept this very branded approach to to paid up until recently you know where we we still had you know those like you know focus on your logo and intro card and auto cards make sure we have a call to action etc etc and i think that's changed like in the last you know maybe couple of years more more so last year where creatives now you know, less and less looking like ads. And in some industries, even more so, you know, and it's literally straight up using memes, for example, or like, you know, um, a screenshot of your note app within your phone could be an ad. And when it comes to then using like creators and, you know, influencers, that's also gone to a point where the notion of having like a script and trying to tell that creator what to do is kind of going away as well. And it's just giving them like maximum freedom to create the way they want to create it. And in most cases, you never you don't actually have a logo within, within the creative itself. You know, obviously it's sponsored. So you will see where the brands come from, but there's this like big shift towards let's make it look as organic as possible. And I find it very, very interesting because the results are pretty significant when you go that route. I don't know if you've seen that as well. The two biggest changes that I've seen like happen in pay. One, I think the rise of TikTok has caused more things to have to look authentic and real in the feed. People are used to now people talking versus when you had Instagram and stuff like that. It was okay to have like a static, well-produced image but with the rise of that quick form short form video it's causing hey how could you be more authentic and then two i think with ios 14.5 targeting has changed so instead of you being able to target exactly who you want the ad has to become the targeting and the ad has to become more real i think that's the two biggest change i'm seeing i'm also seeing that we're in a world now that you can't win anymore with being great at manipulating data and then just putting an ad in front of people. You Now you have to go back to what marketing was 50 years ago where, or like even before Facebook and all this stuff is, which go down the principles of like having a good creative, having good copywriting, having things that feel natural to the platform that you you're doing the marketers who understood the platforms at first were winning and now everybody understands the platform so now it's like who's gonna now it's the people who understand the platform and 
creatives that are winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And I always felt when I fell in love with it, I always liked both part. Obviously, the the data and the targeting, because back in the days, you could, like you said, you could do most of it with the targeting and being very clever with who was going to be able to see your ad. But the creative was also like very, uh, very important to me. And I feel like now, yeah, like you said, most campaigns would go broad, but the creative will do the targeting for you. And I, and I think what's fascinating about this is that if you do this well today, you can still have like incredible results with uh, paid marketing, uh, whether you're an established brand or, you know, startup scale up. But as, as always, the ones who are trying and testing towards that kind of like very native, like we said, like less and less branded will win. And that takes a lot of time for, you know, bigger brands to adapt. So there's always an opportunity to be one of the first to like capitalize on, on this kind of new trend. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm here for. That's why I like working with them, you know, smaller, smaller name when I join them <laughs> and use that for growth. Going back to where people thinking, thinking more about how users actually use the platform and how they consume content on that platform. That's why I think that organic and paid social are going to become more and more together with working together because I think what's working on organic could work on paid and vice versa. What's working on paid could be great for organic. So I think learning, having learnings from each other and also organic social really understands what works on a, a feed. Well, I would say maybe in D to C B2B, some B2B companies get that. If you start understanding that, for example, on TikTok, you can't just take a Facebook ad and put it on TikTok and make it work. You have to make something organic for that platform. Same with same with Facebook. You have to make something same with you doing story ads. You can't just put an image that was meant for an Instagram post for a story. You got to do everything. Creative has to match the format of how people consume. Do you know what's crazy about what you just said is that I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to some startup, very, you know, like new startup very, very regularly. And some of them have, have success on TikTok. And the thing I keep, I keep seeing is they have some videos that went, you know, viral for them. You know, they had like, uh, you know, a few hundred thousand views. Sometimes it went to like a million plus views and a lot of comments and people love the, love the content. But then when I ask them about, you know, their pace strategy of the back of that, they're like, Oh, we've, we've been working on these like three other videos that we're going to test and, and try and make paid work for us. And I was like, yeah, what about that video that just went viral organically? Like, well, you're not using that and like, you know, using that as a, to convert whatever your conversion is, whether it's on web or app in store or whatever it is. And I'm still amazed by that not being something that, you know, marketers or founders or, you know, like startups would do such a, such an easy win. The other thing that I see as well, uh, although I don't know how it is in, in the US, but I know in the UK it's pretty common 
a lot of brands, also in fintech, turn off comments on ads on TikTok. And that is my, I kind of like it because it's easy to then differentiate and kill it when you don't do that. But I don't understand as a marketer, as how would you, you know, be okay turning off comments, not even listening to what people say on, on your, on your ads to be able to react as, you know, like, as you know, the engagement, what people would say to your content is gold, right? Like be able to read that and learn from it, whether it's positive, negative, it's, it's always great uh, from a, a learning point of view. But I see that a lot and I, I just don't understand. I'm just like, what would you, what would you turn that off? Do you see that as well? I think default, you should keep comments on. I think the only time to turn comments off is like if you're using UGC and someone's like attacking the person in the UGC and not attacking the company. Because sometimes, especially on social, people just say, especially when you can hide behind something that's a blank user, you could say terrible things to some people or say things that are i would say out of the box i mean i see this even on running like ads for marketing millennials sometimes for the newsletter is when we do ugc some people say some inappropriate things to some ugc creators and it has nothing to do with marketing or anything it's just targeted at them so i think that's the time to turn it off but i think default on is always good to just be like here is what people are saying here's what people are consuming because also sometimes people could say, hey, your landing page is broken or why, like, how do I navigate this, this page or why is the email fo- broken? Like that you learn a lot from what people are saying in those comments. I think also I want to go transition into that because I think another way of paid advertising that you could do is you talked about seeing your own viral videos and promoting those as ads, but seeing someone organically posts about your product and using them as either whitelisting their ads or doing something with them. So how do you think about using creators and UGC in your advertising? I think that whole process, especially since, you know, TikTok has grown so big. And in the case, in in, in the field that I am now in, in FinTech, I spend a lot of time looking for new content creators. And I don't necessarily, I, I really mean it as creators, not as influencers, because the amount of followers they have almost doesn't play a part in me, you know, looking at their content. It's whether the content is engaging and do people comment on it and, and, and do people react to what, to what they're saying. And the approach that that we have at, at Nude, which is also predicated on the fact that we're pretty small, you know, and I have to be like scrappy with uh, you know with the budget I, I have to to achieve you know the the growth objective that we have. So I I, I look I look for them on TikTok, uh, try and reach out to them in one way or another. Like you said, look so. Sometimes they would talk about, you know, apps, make apps reviews and stuff. And, you know, we can, we can reach out that way. Or you could just be like in and around the fields of what you're talking, what you're talking about, like what your, your app is about. So in our case, it's, you know, personal finance. 
you know, in a broader scheme, uh, is people saving for their first home. Could be someone who just bought their first home and decorated it. So there's a little bit of like interior design as well that could be relevant. One of the best ads that we had last year was actually someone who was in a more like interior design field with like less than 100,000 followers, was not really doing brand deals or, or, or nothing, was just showcasing different rooms in the house that she decorated. And that was like a, someone that we reached out to, organized to do a couple of videos with at a very low cost because she was started starting. And that kind of transformed our business because I think as soon as she posted the first uh, video over the course of like the first 24 hours, got about a million views, two, 300 comments and, you know, shares and all of that. And then we started doing the Spark ads on top of it. And that went probably surfed on that video for a month and a half, maybe two months at the, you know, super low cost of install and, and, and things like that. So then when I saw that, Pretty early on, I was like, okay, we can probably find 10 to 20 people like her every month that we can afford. And that would fuel everything that we do organic, paid, whitelisting, some that we could go back to, and kind of build a, like a team, like a roster of these creators that also would end up really like knowing what, who we are, what we do. Uh, we could keep them updated. And just be distributing that content in the best way possible to both, uh, yeah, to both build the brand and also build build the business. I think finding creators that aren't doing ads right now and are starting off, and you're giving them a shot to start making money, which is great. Because one thing that I know a lot of people struggle with is finding creators that also align with the values of the brand to make sure that they can fit the vibe. Because I think there's also today I can go look for 20 creators. They could be in my range, but doesn't mean that when they portray what I'm going to portray as a brand, it's going to totally align or their the, what they're talking about value wise is in line. So how do you think about it in the sense of aligning creators to, the values of your brand today? So that's a very good question because I've got like a kind of a double double answer to this. Half of me doesn't really care. And the reason why I don't care is because I, I don't want to put too much of, as a decision maker, like my own subjective opinion to content because I come from the like the conclusion that on TikTok you never know what's gonna pop and I don't want to judge everything towards what I think is gonna work. So that's the first half. The other half leans a little bit more towards what you're implying, which is can we have two or three criteria that are ticking the box of who we are as a brand and the values that we have. And obviously we'll you know, there's some obvious there, you know, someone, if someone, if you look at someone's feed and they've been saying um, things that are, you know, like way over the line, then that's a no brainer. But then there's like some nuances that could be like very nuanced within now, you know, like, are they, is the content too funny? Or I don't know, like, are we like a more serious type of, uh, in the case of FinTech, like a more serious financial services kind of platform or, 
when it comes to that, I would lean more towards being a bit loose just because you never know. And I've been surprised many times as to what I thought would work and what actually worked. And I think what, what happens when you do that and you do find some wins and you do attract people to come to your uh, business through using an influencer that maybe was a non-obvious is that you, I believe you can extend the reach a little bit of who you could actually attract to your business because there's so many, you know, sub communities and sub pockets of people that you can attract for, for any given subject. I'm always kind of curious to know like what, what's going to come from a non-obvious type of creative. I think having loose guardrails are always great. Like I think I was more saying that more like getting to know that person, like creator as a person more than what content they, they post, because I think the best creators that I've worked with are, are, have a personality that are easy to work with that like hit deadlines that do it's not so much of like how what content they're posting i think you can go look at someone's feed and be like okay this is a little iffy for my brain but i think some people that you might think are the best creator might be the hardest to work with might not do what you think they were going to do for the brand and then you said the non-obvious people that's why you should test like the obvious people might that might be in the fintech industry they talk about fintech apps that might not do as well as someone who might know a little about fintech but it has a great personality like the audience trusts them there's all those like different aspects so testing those the different types of people and what their audience actually appeals to is a great way to great way to test if someone's difficult, I mean, that's an easy thing, you know, if someone's difficult to work with and not following deadlines, you know, it's, you know, you cut them from your process because, you know, working with creators is a very manual process, especially if you want to do it at like kind of startup scale when you don't have too much budget and you, you want to keep like an eye on, you know, the 10, 15 creators you work with on, you know, any given time. At the end of the day, you know, it's it's about getting to the quantity to find the quality so if if someone is making you lose time just you know cut them from your roster <laughs> what is a marketing hill you would die on it's a good question i think i would say that i always come down to whatever you think always come down to people and what people say so staying very close to your customer is the key. So without listening to them indirectly with what they say on social and I'm really keen on that, the whole like digital space, whether it's forum, comments on ads, comments on organic, but then also indirectly and directly, which is, you know, like interviewing, talking to your customer, talking to people directly, asking them questions. Uh, that is like the number one thing. I think that's a great answer. I think a lot of times, and I've said this multiple times on this podcast, but I think we as marketers always get so busy that we don't carve out time in our schedules, which we should have block times in our schedules to do what you said, read reviews, go look at skim social, get on calls with customers, 
go on forums, be in places where our customers are. But I think we get so bogged down on our day-to-day that we forget that. But it's so crucial that an insight that you can get from just doing that can change an ad you're running, a product that you're releasing, a social post that you're going to do. I think that's one advantage I got from my memes that I do is I think I just really read comments and see what comments get the most engagement, what people actually are saying, what like how marketers are actually feeling when I post something, how are they reacting to it? Or is it relatable? Is there something else that's funny that they say? I think that's why I think what you say is like sometimes testing like things that might not work actually work because you get quick insight from things like paid. And that's why the beauty of paid advertising today that didn't happen 20 years ago. So 20 years ago, they we, we can, without having paid advertising, you could still run paid with like direct mail and out of home, but you didn't get that those direct answers quickly with a small budget. So in paid today, you can run micro tests to see is this messaging good? Does the market resonate with this? With a small budget where back in the day you, you had to spend thousands and thousands on TV ads or direct mails and stuff like that to make sure that you're, 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 and you get, you t- it took a long time to get that feedback back, back in the day. Yeah. You're right. Last question I have for you is, uh, if someone was starting marketing today, what is a piece of advice that you get would give them that they would come back two years later and thank you for? I think someone that starts today should pick the most obvious one or two channels that any business would need to grow and focus on that. Become an expert as fast as you can. I go back to this advice because I I get asked that fairly regularly from younger people than me. Um, But when I started 10 years ago, for me, it was Facebook ads. Instagram was just starting. And even to this day, I'm still surfing on that wave because businesses and people take a while to catch up on what's going on. Today, it would be TikTok. And then, like we said, there's a lot of crossover between TikTok, Instagram, and especially when you focus on the creative side of things. So if you, if you start today, focus on, you know, I would pick TikTok ads and what that means to work with creators, well, good creative. And I would double down on that become a killer at that. And I think your career will go a lot faster if, if you do so, because at the end of the day, especially in a, you know, challenging economic uh, crisis, you know, uh, that we are now businesses wants still wants to grow in a very effective way. So if you can, you know, do that with one of the channels that they need to use, you'll be in a good place. There's so many channels that, for example, if you got on Facebook in 2008, you would have been one of the best like Facebook ad people now. And the channel still exists today. People are, and it's, it's one of the biggest channels today. TikTok, I mean, it is iffy, but I think because of all of what's happening, but I think that it, it's still going to be around. So I think TikTok and the great thing about TikTok is if you learn TikTok, you can, you can learn Instagram reels, you can learn YouTube shorts, you can learn all the different types of, I think 
learning video is one of like video ads, especially is becoming a new because even even Twitter is moving towards the trend of putting more video on their platform. Uh, LinkedIn likes video on their platform. So do you become an expert of learning? What I recommend, I think learning TikTok and learning the platform is great. I think also learning what makes a great video ad. I think if you go down to like the fundamentals of what makes a great video ad, you can take that skill and do it anywhere. Have a good the first three seconds good. Have storytelling elements of it. Have a call to action. How to edit it. How to write a great script. Like those things are hard to teach. And if you become an expert in that, you can learn. Take that up to any platform and be great. Exactly, because yeah, because then you're very close to the distribution problem. Like you said, it goes everywhere. And with the rise of AI and automation and all of that, if you're the person who can execute the video and distribute the video, you might be the key one person that the marketing team will need to run a lot of this stuff versus maybe a 20-people team today. So yeah, I'll definitely put you in a good place. I always go back to telling people like what you just said is just go back to like what the fundamentals of the platforms are. Like even if you don't like, if you learn, like learn why people are on TikTok, learn why people are consuming content on there, learn why videos are working there, reverse engineer why things are working there. That's why even if you like don't do an ad on a platform yet, you should still be on to say on a platform just to understand why people are using it, how people are consuming on it, why this platform works. So you understand people. And I think that's what people forget is you don't have to be on a platform to be a, a creator. You don't even have to be a platform to be a avid consumer, but it's good to be in a platform to understand what's happening in today's culture, in today's world, why people are on it, why people are using it. Because at the end of the day, that's those are the insights that matter is what what why people are doing what they're doing. And that will help you get closer to your customer. Exactly. And everything's available these days as well, like between the Facebook library and the TikTok library. Like you don't even have to spend a dollar or a pound to learn that stuff. You can look at the best creative, see what they made of, see the retention curves, like everything is given to you for free. So it's, it's just a matter of like, how do you prioritize your time to learn that stuff? Like if you really want to get started, there's a lot of things available today to be like very serious about it and be like, you know, aim to be the best. So awesome. Um, Last thing I have for you is where could people find you? Where could people follow your journey? I'll give you a couple minutes to talk about that. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm mainly spending time on LinkedIn, uh, Johan Pavi. I'm trying to grow on Twitter. So, you know, if you give me a follow, <laughs> I'll follow you back. <laughs> I've been, I've been leaving Twitter aside for too long. So I'm, I'm going back to it. And yeah, that's, uh, that's it. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining. This has been awesome and I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Daniel. It was a pleasure. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.